You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. My name is Dan Johnson. I am your host, as always. And today, we are going to be talking with Tim Kent of elite archery and uh, i'm going to keep this intro very short because the podcast went a little long uh today we're going to talk about elite's uh, bow lineup their price points and uh specific design features and uh, a little bit about what they call the shootability challenge so go ahead give it a listen and we'll see you on the other side of this podcast all right on the phone with me now is tim kent with Elite Archery. How's it going today, Tim? Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's always good to catch up with you. Now, this is a gear podcast, but first and foremost, how'd your season go this year? You know, my season uh, was pretty good. I didn't I didn't get out as much as I would have normally liked to, you know, with some personal and professional things uh, kind of going on, but I had a good season. I shot a Shot a really nice deer at home. Actually, one of my my biggest deer here in New York, and was able to globe trot a little bit. Went on a went on elk hunt and got to Illinois for a few days in some pretty unfavorable summer like weather. But you know that's the way it goes, and I think it's situations like that that make you get more excited for the years to come in hopes that they're more favorable. That's right. I can uh, completely understand that. I spent most of my elk season in a tent, so. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, not very fun, but uh, elite archery. So that's a bow manufacturer, as most of us know. Why don't you fill us in on what your position is at Elite and uh, a little bit about what you do on a daily basis? So I'm the vice president of corporate communications for the Outdoor Group, which is the company that owns Elite Archery. We also own Scott Releases custom bow equipment, slick trick broadheads, solid broadheads, winner's choice, bow strings, and dual game calls. So we have seven brands underneath the outdoor group. And then we also have a television show on the Sportsman channel, which uh, 
airs in the, the Tuesday night real tree hunting camp called Elite Archery's Respect the Game. Um, I also work on that show as well. So we're pretty busy over here, but it's a great job, and I feel pretty fortunate to be doing what I'm doing. Sounds like uh, sounds like it's a, a pretty fun job. It is. It is. But, you know, everybody thinks when you work in the outdoor industry or, you know, you, you work for a bow manufacturer that, you know, all you're doing is hunting and whatever else. And, <laughs> you know, we still we still have to do real, you know, real things. And we still have catalogs that we need to make and websites. And, you know, we still have to do media placement and public relations and, you know, all the things that make people aware of of these products you know just like this podcast that we're doing right now i mean it's it all it all adds up and takes time out of your day and makes it hard to, hard to get out into the field it's you know we're kind of just like every other weekend warrior so it's uh still work i tell you i love watching you at the ata show because you're like one step away from a sprint running up and down the <laughs> the, the floor there looking for your next meeting it's kind of funny yeah, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there, man. <laughs> All right. So for the most part, Elite is somewhat of a new company. Can you give us a little company history, how it started, uh, how long it's been, and you know, just a, a brief a brief history of Elite? Yeah, sure. So the company itself was started in 2006, and you know, it was it was it was started by um, a couple of other individuals from some other bow manufacturers that you know, kind of wanted to spur off and do something a little bit different and make bows that were really a step apart from what was currently in the market marketplace. And um, they, they got off to a really good start, but like a lot of companies, they were, they were a little undercapitalized. They didn't have the financial resources that they needed to go up against you know, the other really big or really established bow manufacturers in the industry. So, in you know, in lieu of that, they, they kind of got going. They definitely made an impression on the industry and, um, you know, started to started to, to, to make their place. Um, but, uh, want, but just couldn't, couldn't really do what they wanted to do. Uh, you know, again, extremely undercapitalized. And what ended up happening was in 2009, um, a group of people uh, got together and they were out looking at a few other manufacturers on the bow side. And Elite was one of the ones that was really standing out because, again, they were trying to do some things a little bit differently. And um, they they ended up buying Elite Archery. Um, and that was the starting point of the formation of the outdoor group um and then the outdoor group manifested into more after that and we've done you know several acquisitions over the years you know again including scott archery and custom bow equipment last year we bought uh, slick trick broadheads um you know so so and, and but we've continued that standpoint of trying to produce a bow that that stands out amongst the competition we're not necessarily in this race for for speed like some of the other manufacturers are. Our cornerstone is shootability, and we want to make bows that anybody can pick up and have them shoot comfortably, shoot accurately, and experience 
the benefits of shootability. And a lot of people kind of ask, well, what does that mean? And it's like, well, it's it's really one of those things that's kind of hard to even describe. You can sit down and get into the nuts and the bolts and all the technical speak and features and benefits like we use in our in our brochure or catalog but when it really comes down to it it's something that you need to feel and that's why uh, a few years back we we came up with the elite shootability challenge and what we're essentially encouraging people to do is take a trip down to their local elite dealer and shoot an elite bow side by side with one of our competitors and feel the difference feel the difference in our draw cycle you know feel the difference in our back wall our cam system is a two-track binary cam system and it's designed so that you um, are later to peak weight you actually have a shorter time where you're holding peak weight and then it and then it eases down into uh, a very generous valley which we call the dwell zone and that dwell zone isn't it doesn't produce a jumpy cam. So you're not fighting a, a really small or spongy back wall because we use two draw stops that are a hard stop and they stop against our limb versus other cam systems that perhaps stop against the cable. So if you're a guy that, let's say, has target panic, and uh, you know I've been there, Dan, I know you've, you've kind of had some experiences with that as well, the dwell zone on an elite makes you feel that much more comfortable because now you can focus more on your target and your shot sequence and your shot instead of having to have that other ancillary fight with, you know, with making sure that you're pulling against that back wall and that cam and, you know, a spongy back wall that you don't really know where the, where the valley begins and ends. Once you get an elite back and locked, you know, that's, that's it. And that's kind of what, what shootability is all about. And the bows, uh, you know, have minimal hand shock and, you know, and everything else that provides that extremely shootable experience. So, well, thanks for taking the lead. You answered about five of my questions in that. So that's a good thing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's great. Um, so my, my next question is when I, you know, I'm, I'm hunt, I'm folk focused on hunting, bow hunting. So I see, sure. I see, you have more than one bow. Why does a bow manufacturer, why does Elite make more than one bow with, with different options? Sure. So so some of the things, and it's going to be specific for each manufacturer. I mean, obviously, I, I don't know the reason that, you know, some of the other manufacturers out there produce what they produce. But, I mean, some of, some of the answer to that question is, is purely engineering, you know, specifically with our cam system. Um, we can only produce draw lengths to, in, 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 in one cam to, to such a range. We can only get a certain range out of that cam. So then you have to start changing the geometry or the shape of that cam in order for you to hit longer or shorter draw lengths within a core. And so with that, there, there ends up being other adjustments to, um, you know, axle to axle length or brace height or, or those types of things. So I think a lot of times companies aren't necessarily looking for a one size fits all option. They're looking for, you know, situational options. So in, in our instance, we were starting to get a lot of requests for 
a bow that fit uh, a smaller framed individual or or um, or, a, or a female or something like that. And so our engineers kind of went to the drawing board and said, you know, we can create a, a lighter option with a smaller grip throat and still maintain a good amount of speed. And we came up with our spirit. Um, you know, we a couple of years ago, we we introduced the Energy Series bows, which came in a 32 and a 35-inch version. And Levi Morgan at the time had signed on with us that year, and he was shooting the Energy 35. He shot some of his best scores ever shooting that Energy 35. And but a lot of um, a lot a lot of the feedback that he and other pro staffers that we had, where they were really looking for a bow that was longer axle to axle. Then that Energy 35, they were really looking for something in that, you know, 38, 39, 40 inch range to shoot target archery or 3D with, and consequently we went to the drawing board and came up with the victory, and we thought we were going to hit a certain speed range with that particular bow, and it ended up it ended up shooting about 10 feet per second faster than the engineers had initially expected. So that's kind of filled the the target void. Um, you know, again, referencing our Synergy, which was our flagship bow in 2015, there was guys that were asking a lot for, for more, more shootability. They wanted something with a really smooth, you know, really easy draw. And, um, so that's exactly what this Synergy was. I mean, that was, you know, our marketing campaign for that bow was, uh, shootability defined, because uh, there was a lot of guys that were out there that felt like they could shoot heavier poundage that they than they had in a long time because that that draw cycle on that particular bow was just so smooth. I mean, you look at that forced draw curve, and it's just you can just see this bow is going to be a dream to draw back. And it, it aimed really well at 33 and a half inches to axle to axle. It was a great hunting bow, but it doesn't necessarily have a hardcore target application, especially in the way of um, shooting paper, you know, five spot or, you know, three spot or anything like that. Now, you know, when we launched that last year, one of the constructive criticisms that we received was, you know, gosh, we really expected Elite to come out with a speed bow. And, you know, going back to an earlier part of the conversation, speed bow is necessarily not one of the things that we're chasing after, but we were really challenged by our customers to, to you know, to up the speeds in our bows and so, you know, again, the engineers knew what the market requirements were, and we, they came into 2016, 2015 development time, um, knowing that guys wanted shootability in a in a faster bow. And then we were, we, you know, they they were the engineers worked really, really hard. And this year we came out with the Impulse 31 and the Impulse 34. Uh, the Impulse 34 is 34 inches axle to axle. Uh, 340 feet per second on a six-inch brace height bow. The Impulse 31 is 31 inches axle to axle, six-inch brace height bow, and it's 343 feet per second IBO. So, and it still employs, you know, the the thing that it is known best for is shootability. It still has a, a, you know, a really nice draw cycle. It's not the same as the Synergy. It's not the same as the Energy 32. It's unique to that particular bow. But the shooting experience overall is great. It still has the later to peak weight, how it drops off, and then that huge swell zone that we're really known for, that hard back wall. 
And so far, we introduced that bow the first week of October, and so far it's been really, really well received. Our pros love it. The consumers that have bought it so far have been really excited about it. And I would say the information that we're seeing right now is really showing that that was a successful offering for 2016, and we're really excited to go to the ATA show in a few weeks and kind of let people that haven't put one in their hands yet you know, go to the shooting range and, and you know, run a few arrows through one and, and, and be impressed by that bow. And we're already working on our 2017 bows right now, and the drawings I saw yesterday were pretty exciting. So, and that uh, leads right into time. the next question. I mean, when when the, the the powers that be sit around a table and elite and they and they come to, you know, they're starting to design that next bow or you know, what categories make it onto the chopping board? Well, we, it, we if we want this, we have to sacrifice here. If we want to make this particular category stand out, it has to sacrifice somewhere else. How how do you guys go about that? I mean, we really look at what the marketplace is asking for. Obviously, we look at the competitors and what they're offering, and then we look for holes in the marketplace. But a lot of times our customers will dictate that. We really listen to our dealers. We listen to our consumers. We listen to our pro staff. You know, we, we pay attention to the to the forums, um, and we, we take all of that input, and then we, we essentially put together a wish list. And, you know, I think a lot of people out there would say, you know, hey, I want a I bow that draws like a synergy. It's as smooth as, as liquid, and, you know, it shoots 355 feet per second. Well, you know, without radically changing the way compound bows are made or, or materials or or whatever, I mean, that's not necessarily realistic. So you start kind of going through, hey, this is the wish list, this is what we really want. And then, you know, all the different stakeholders from the different parts of the company, whether it's engineering or operations or marketing or sales or, you know, our customer service kind of all have input into that, into that process and into that product development process through the product development committee. We kind of you know, a lot of it's predicated on engineering because we're, we're all coming at them going, yeah, we need this, we need this. And they're like, that's, that's come on, we're defying physics here. <laughs> you know, a lot of what we ask for, you know, but, um, the, you know, it's just, um, it, it, it's just, okay, well, what's realistic? And then also, you know, each product has its own life cycle. So we need to look at the life cycle of those products that we've put, that we've put out in the past and decide, okay, do we want to continue to, have that particular product in in the line any longer is it still you know is it still viable is it still selling as well as we had hoped so oftentimes you end up kind of retiring products and then replacing them with something that's you know that's better and the unique selling propositions of that that better product um, usually outweigh the previous iteration and that's kind of what gets people excited in the marketplace to to buy that product without kind of going too far into hindering the sales of your, your other items that you did leave in the product line. So it's definitely a balance and there's a lot of, a lot of input and um, you know, we, we really do value that input. You know, when, when we talk to a lot of customers at 3d shoots, we talk to a lot of people at the ATA show, we do surveys with our dealers. We, you know, our reps take in a ton of input. There really are, them and customer service are really our, our first line 
to get input of of what people want. And we we really try and listen to our customers, and I think that's the most important thing as you're you know as you're developing a new a new product line and just having realistic expectations. Gotcha. And, and, and kind of piggybacking off that question, you know, I I consume a lot of uh, outdoor television and media and stuff like that, and there's one main thing that kind of sticks out to me and everybody and like and like you said and like you know the people who've asked questions on Facebook and myself speed 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 what is what is wrong with is is there is there something wrong with trying to make a bow as fast as it possibly can be as opposed to you know smoothness of draw and and maybe forgiveness and accuracy you know, I, I, there's a lot of companies out there that really have done, they've positioned themselves in different ways and, and they, you know, they've really garnered their customers. There's nothing wrong with speed. Um, but with, with raw speed comes sacrifices. I mean, if you, if you want a bow that shoots 370 feet per second, it, it's achievable. You know, there have been other manufacturers that have, that have proven that, but that comes with sacrifices. You're going to have to go to, you know, a five inch brace height or, you know, another manufacturer industry went to an even shorter brace height than that this year to achieve 370 feet plus per second. And, you know, you're starting to get to bows that have more dramatic angles and, you know, to their geometry, there's other sacrifices that come along with that. You're going to obviously have additional hand shock. Your draw cycle is going to, you're not going to be as smooth for some people that's what they want, you know, and, um, that's okay. You, you know, you can't, you can't be everything to everyone. Right. And so that's, what's neat about the outdoor industry and the archery industry in particular is each manufacturer kind of, kind of fills, fills a niche. And, you know, we've really identified what, what our niche is. And as more people kind of take the elite shootability challenge and, and feel what our bows feel like. They it makes them think. Geez, do I really do I really need to chase the speed game? I, I I'm not necessarily sure. I'd I'd rather shoot more accurately, or feel feel more comfortable through, you know, the entire entire draw sequence and through my shot sequence, or know that I can, um, you know, I can actuate my release more comfortably and that type of thing. And that's really what we're we're trying to achieve. So we don't necessarily get involved in that race. I mean, you know, again, with these new bows that we introduced this year, they're, they're our fastest bows that, that we've introduced and their, their draw cycle is definitely a, a bit different than, than what we've had in the past. But, uh, it, it appeals to the guys that are a little bit more focused on speed. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If that's your goal, it's just, it's, it's just not, it's not our number one driving force. And, you know, there, there's other manufacturers out there that it is, but it's an important, it's a, it's a critical component in, in the product mix for a lot of companies in the, in the industry. And I think when somebody finds that sweet spot of how they combine all the other features of the bow, they're rewarded for that. And you can see that in, you know, the different, um, uh, like uh, Reader's Choice Awards or whatever, or, or you know the Outdoor Life Awards or Field and Stream Awards, you, you know these these bows that kind of fill the niche and hit that sweet spot and kind of 
bang on all eight cylinders, they're recognized. And we've been we've been fortunate to have done very well in those tests over the, the course of the last few years. You know, we've we've kind of always been a bridesmaid the last the last few years, but we'll take it. We're 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 in the pocket. I mean we're one of the we're the new kid on the block. We're one of the smaller brands in the industry by comparison to some that have been around for a very, very long time. So if we're kind of we're kind of inter intermixed with them and being compared against them, hey, we must be doing something right. Cool. And from even going a step further, and, and I'm sure you sit in the meetings with the engineers and they talk about, you know, design and, and, and you know, geometry, like you mentioned, and stuff like that. Is there – do you feel that an accurate bow has, let's say, a certain brace height has – and design from a design standpoint has reached a plateau or is there still a lot of ground to break in the cam systems and, and, and so on? I think if we thought that there wasn't a lot of ground to break, we wouldn't keep trying. I, you know, yeah. there's so many, there's so many ways that you can, you can change things. Um, I think we're only a matter of time away from another change. I mean, you know, again, you look at kind of the way bows have, have changed. It was like they, the limbs weren't parallel, and then they were semi-parallel, and then and then you know at full draw they started to go beyond parallel, and then you know and then some of the geometry shifted backwards so they could preload the limbs and then fast tip the limbs and and all those types of things. So you, there's all these different technologies that that can change with that. And then meanwhile, at the same time, materials are changing. You have you know, you have different composites that are coming to the market and different laminating systems and compression and tension side of lens and how you utilize that and, you know, different configurations. So I don't, I don't think that we're at a technology plateau at all. I, I think as all other technologies advance, so will, so will archery technology. I mean, yeah, maybe we're not going to take a, you know, a 30 foot per second, leap or you know we we might not hit 400 feet per second as the top end speed um anytime in the next few years but but you, you you never know i mean somebody could come to the ata show this year and say hey we got a we got a bow that's shooting 405 feet per second and it's going to be the talk of the show <laughs> you know right. so you you just you just never know and we're constantly trying to to look at to look at new and different things. I know we're, we're, you know, we're looking at some different composites right now for both risers and limbs. You know, is it something that we're going to come to market with ever? Hard to say at this point, but we're certainly exploring them. How much energy does go into research and development? <laughs> a lot. It's uh, between field research and then what the engineers do. And we have a lab here and they test different products and we have special, special machinery to test breaking points and obviously, you know, working off of CAD design programs and whatever else they can see things, you know, on screen and say, Oh, Hey, you might have a hot spot here. This is a potential point of weakness. And then they'll take, you know, they'll, they'll do a, a, a prototype riser and then they'll go test it on a, and, and see, you know, how it actually performs. And then we have a shooting machine that'll just basically cycle a bow and fire thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of shots to see how it will perform, you know, through those thousands of shots. So it's, it's actually pretty significant. The amount of man hours that goes into the development of a, of a bow is pretty staggering. And that doesn't include, 
you know, again, the things that are happening pneumatically with the, the shooting machine and, and whatever else, you know, that's all additional time, but it, it is pretty significant. And again, there's field research and there's, there's time in the lab, there's time behind computers, there's time in the boardroom. Um, from the standpoint of a, of a number, it's thousands of hours. That's the only way I can really put it. Yeah. That's uh that's a that's a big thing. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I had a guy want to talk to you about the the Cerakote on your cams, and sure. and I guess what's the reasoning behind that? So we don't use Cerakote anymore. Um, we went to in 2015. We went to a process called Procoat, which Procoat. So Cerakote was a ceramic based coating and what we found in our applications was it wasn't necessarily it's great in some regards but it it wasn't as durable as what we kind of needed i mean you know you're 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 a bow hunter you're rough on your equipment you're just telling me about that western hunt i mean gosh from my experience nothing beats up a bow worse than a western hunt you go out there with a bow and cams are like nice and clean and All your serving looks great. You come home from a Western hunt, you're like, how the heck did my string dry out this much? And I got like five pounds of mud in each, you know, cam track. Like, how did this bow even make it back? And so, you know, we went to Proco last year, and uh, basically most other manufacturers were using uh, anodize. And we went to Cerakote initially to try and get more of a matte finish. We take a lot of pride in in providing, you know, exceptional fit and finish with our bows. And um, we wanted something that was more matte than what standard anodized could offer. So between the color fusion that we use for decorating our risers and in the Cerakote and now Proco on the cams, we could really get that super dull, super matte finish so we could eliminate sheen and shine. So that's one of the reasons why we we went that route. And Proco for us has become a little bit more durable than, than Cerakote even was just because it's made of different polymers and elastomers and dyes and that type of thing. Gotcha. Powders. Gotcha. Now, my next question is, it, it's kind of a, a gear question, but it's also kind of a marketing question. And camouflage on bows, especially, I, I'm looking at uh, your website right now and the Synergy, I clicked on the Synergy, and you have like five different options as far as camo concerned. And knowing, because I've I've worked in certain, it, I get the hunting industry for a little bit, knowing that that comes with a, a cost, a licensing fee. Why do, and, and this isn't just, I guess, uh, uh, archery, a bow company, but why do hunting companies decide to, to choose a camo, to license a camo pattern for their product? I guess I'm not fully understanding the question overall. I mean, every, everything in hunting is really about concealment. So, and obviously, as you know, we have a lot of camo options out there from many different manufacturers. And, um, you know, there's more being added every day, especially as the clothing manufacturers are producing their own camo patterns. We choose to work with Realtree. Um, They've been a great partner for us. Uh, Most of the Realtree ads this year feature uh, an elite bow. So we, we really enjoy working with them. Um, and then this year we're offering our bows in the Kuyu patterns as well, the Vias and Verde. 
um, that's new for us. And again, that's another situation where as we're looking at the marketplace, we're looking, okay, how can we maybe, how can we maybe fill, fill a small void and, you know, what can we do to maybe get additional people exposed to elite and the use of QU helped us do that. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think camos, I think camo is important. It's all a matter of how you how you look at it and what level of concealment you you want and whatever else. I mean, personally, I I shoot a black bow because I like it. I think it looks cool, you know. And um, there's guys out there that are shooting snow bows, and people look at them sideways and they're like, "What are you doing that to shoot whitetails for? You're not hunting. It's not winter." And they're like, "Hey, man, I like it." You know, have you ever been up in the trees on a, you know, on a um, on a gloomy day when there's no blue sun? It's, it's white behind you, you know, and like it works. Okay, cool. You know, so, um, it's, it's just, you know, camo is an important part of what we all do. So I don't know why we wouldn't make, make bows and camo. Gotcha. Now from, from a purely bow hunting standpoint, all right, I, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who I'll sit in a tree stand all November and I'll also take like a Western trip. Um, is there one, is there one particular bow that you would recommend for someone maybe who is not doing a lot of target practice, but is a serious bow hunter? You know, we really, when we launched the Synergy, that was kind of a, the, the bow hunter's bow because of its really smooth draw cycle and you could hunt in cold temperatures and it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to um, be harsh to draw. But, but generally speaking, outside of, of the victory, I mean, you, you really can't go wrong as a bow hunter with any, any of the bows in the elite line and even even with the victory that was initially introduced as a target bow and there were so many guys that wanted it for hunting that this year we changed it to put uh quiver quiver mounting options on there and uh, we we're offering it in camo because guys wanted it so you know honestly you could you could really shoot any bow it just really depends upon the shooting experience that you're looking for how fast of a bow do you want what your draw length is because there's obviously a few limitations there with with each bow you know so i mean any of them gotcha gotcha now as far as price is concerned where where does elite stand uh, as far as retail price is concerned with with maybe some of the competitors on the market yeah, we're right in the wheelhouse with uh, with the other high-end bow manufacturers. We're, you know, our MSRP for 2016 is 999, which is pretty much right right in there with everybody else, give or take a hundred dollars. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, there's a guy he's standing at a, a dealership or he's standing at a a big box store and he sees a wall full of bows, and he is and he leaps right up there with him. Why should he? this guy or gal consider buying an elite? I mean, again, this is where we come back to the elite shootability challenge. Um, one of the, one of the reasons why he should consider it is based upon the shooting experience. We want anybody to go into a shop and shoot an elite versus other bows. We want, we might not make the bow that's right for them, but above and beyond all else, a couple of unique things that we have by comparison to um, our competitors are, you know, we, we basically have, um, a warranty that is transferable. So if you have any any issues with your elite based upon, you know, craftsmanship or 
excuse me, or, or a part that goes bad or, you know, any, anything that's kind of in construction, it's, it's, it's covered. No questions asked. And that warranty, we're the only company that has this. That warranty is transferable. If you sell that bow to your brother-in-law and then your brother-in-law sells that bow or gives that bow to his son, that bow is still covered. Above that, we're the only company that offers uh, a hunt guarantee. So we, we believe that if you're, if you're all about hunting and, you know, you, you're going to go on a hunt of a lifetime or whatever, you know, you said you went out west this year. If you went out west and something, you ran your bow over with your truck. It happens. We, we, we talk to guys all the time. Oh, yeah, man, my buddy ran my bow over. Shoot, I was in elk camp this year. I almost watched it happen. I watched it, six of a guy's arrows get run over by a truck because he put it down in a not-so-smart spot. But anyway, if something like that happens, you just call us up and you say, hey, uh, this just happened. I had this, this issue with my bow and whatever else, and we will actually get all of your specs, and we will send – a, a bow completely set up to you wherever your location is or wherever you can get to overnight. So that way you can continue your hunt. And we're the only manufacturer that does that. I mean, that bow is going to be as dialed in as we can get it for you. I mean, obviously you're going to have to run a few shots through it to make sure, you know, peep height is spot on to where it should be and make sure the pins are, are where they need. But, but generally speaking, um, we, you know, we have it to your draw length, you know, with a uh, rest, a peep, you know, a sight and everything, we send it right to you. So uh, you can continue on with your hunt. And that's, uh, that's a really big deal. And honestly, we don't have a ton of requests for that each year, but um, it, it's something that can make the, the difference between a successful hunt and a failed hunt. And, you know, I think we're all so passionate about this that, you know, we don't want anything to be a successful hunt, especially by way of, you know, an outside influence on your equipment. So that's a, that's a pretty big deal, you know. So between those two things, um, that's a really unique unique selling proposition exclusive to Erie Archery. You know, above and beyond that, I mean, you're going to get a quality bow that's got fit and finish like no other and, and a shooting experience that's like no other. Yeah, that's uh that's pretty amazing. I I uh I actually talked to a guy who 16 years worth of points on a sheep hunt and he went up into this I can't remember what range it was and uh he ended up hitting his dropping his bow into some rocks and kind of leaning on it and his cam bent and 16 years he was like 50 some years old. So there's that. <laughs> Just it's done. He had to get back in his truck and go home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're, you, you know, if you're putting in for points in Colorado, you're looking at a t unit two or a 201 tag. You're looking at 20 plus years to draw that tag. Or you talk to other guys that have been putting in in Maine, you know, maybe, maybe their whole life, you know, it's like you want the reassurance right. knowing that, you know, there's a P there's a, there's that additional little peace of mind that something that a company's got your back and elite archery has your back. Cool. Well, Tim, you know, I just want to say thank you very much for taking time out today to uh, chit chat with me and the rest of the Nine Finger Nation, I guess. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, really appreciate it. And uh, um, I guess if people want to learn more about Elite Archery, where can uh, where can we send them? 
Yes, so you can go to EliteArchery.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or we're all over. So we'd love to, you know, get you guys to check out Elite. Go to your local dealer and take the Elite Shootability Challenge. Perfect. Well, thanks again, and uh, have a good rest of your week, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. And there you have it. Another podcast in the books. Hopefully you guys uh, found this interesting, took away some information, and uh, feel free to share it with whoever. Um, feel free to leave comments below on uh, if you guys are able to go and maybe shoot a bow, uh, shoot a Elite. Uh, let me know what your thoughts are. I'd love to hear uh, hear your thoughts, and I'm sure others would love to hear your thoughts as well. And then um, the only other thing is, you know, like I say, every podcast, let me know what products you want me to go after. Um, then it's my job to go and try to find, number one, the right person to interview, and number two, to try to lock that particular person down for an interview. Um, that's a struggle. Uh, if it wasn't a struggle, I'd be putting one of these out every day. But uh, my wife would have something to say about that. With that said, I want everybody out there to have a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and wear your damn safety harness.